we are in bed with books. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm Melissa. And I'm Bethany. If you'd like to find us outside of wherever you're listening from, then you can find us on our website, inbedwithbookspod.com, on Instagram at inbedwithbookspod, and find us on YouTube for video versions of the podcast and bonus episodes. So let's jump right in. Here we are. Our hair is braided. Yes. Out our of my no- face, for the most part. Our noses are red from being sick. <laughs> and Mine and is healing. My Mine's laugh healing, is raspy. Is nice. <laughs> yeah. But I, I have some nose spray in me. I'm drinking sleepy time tea, which will not put me to sleep because it doesn't put me to sleep. It just calms my throat down. Yeah. So hopefully I won't be coughing and like, you know, blowing my nose and shit. So like I have been at work all day (laughs) or like I did the entire last episode. Yeah. You're just like mute. Mute. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Um, but things are looking up. The pollen count in Houston has, I don't know if it's gone down, but it has found other victims, not yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah. Which is a plus. That's all I can ask for. Yeah. That's good. This is good. All right. Oh yeah. What do you, so you're drinking sleepy time. Yep. I've got, um, a home brewed hibiscus tea mm-hmm. that I, that I made. Yeah. Very it's very good. I, I really enjoy it. I made a lot this time so I could save it. And mm-hmm. because it's getting really, really disgustingly warm out here again. And I really like iced tea during the summer. Yeah. And so I just made a bunch of it and I bottled it and I put it in the fridge and I've been going through yeah. it all week. Yeah. Not going to lie though. The hibiscus that I'm using is probably almost two years old. That's fine. Yeah. Because it's dry. It's an herb. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a leaf or a flower. I think it's a flower petal. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's yeah, a, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's a dried plant. Delicious. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's probably better. I mean, well, I can't I guess, attest to yeah. whether or not it's better, but I can say I'm still in love with it. So yeah. I'm, I love hibiscus tea. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, um, yeah. I was just going to tell a I got too high story but I don't know if that's a podcast thing do we care um you care well, I don't know where you are yeah okay so yeah wanted to make sure we're on brand yeah no I, th- I think it is on brand last night I had I was telling you over messenger today but I like I was like I need to fucking chill out and I had half of an edible because edibles just like really get to me so taking a half was kind of a lot for me and I drank a, a big mug of sleepy time tea because I was like, I just want to zonk out. I want to feel good. I want to sleep really well. I slept well. And then, <laughs> and then in my dream, I heard like yelling. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I couldn't get like my brain to like register what was going on. And it just like took forever to like come to. And then I woke up and realized I was like asleep and like, it's fine. And it was so weird. Um, And then I, and then I was like kind of high spinning, not like drunk spinning, but like, there's this, this feeling of like, I I need to get up to pee, but I don't know if I should. Yeah. 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 I feel like drunk spinning goes like this. Yeah. 
And high spinning goes like this. Yeah, it does. It, does. <laughs> it goes horizontal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then I was like, Milo was like still awake because he just sits there. He just yeah. lays next to me for two hours while I sleep, like until he falls asleep. He falls asleep probably the same time you do, like three, oh, yeah. two or 3 a.m. He's just like the curse. And then and so I wake up and I'm like, I, I'm so high. <laughs> like <laughs> It like hit me like late or something anyways. And I made it to the bathroom, but I was like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, without assistance, up. right? Or with assistance? No, I, I mean, I used walls, <laughs> but, uh, I, I slept really good. I felt really good in the morning. So Might nice. tonight. who's nice. to say <laughs> I'll make it or not. <laughs> I'll just get in the wheelie chair. <laughs> yeah. As long as the walls are still there, then yeah. I think you're safe. <laughs> I'll be okay. Um, yeah, I feel like this week has just gone by really fast. Maybe it's just because I also started it off kind of still recovering from mm-hmm. basically being sick. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like I've just been catching up all week, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's not like it's been rough. It's just been unnecessarily stressful. Yeah. Kind of did it to myself, but whatever. Yeah. I like, I got, I got sick and it knocked me out and yeah. you're laying in bed all day but you're not, you don't feel rested. Like I don't, I don't feel like I laid in bed all week. Like it was just so. Well, cause your body spends the entire time recovering. Yeah. 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 It's not like actively. Usually when you sleep, I'm doing what I want. Yeah. Yeah. When you're like, when you sleep and you're healthy and you're recovering, you're going from like a negative five to your baseline. Yeah. But when you're asleep and you're sick and you're recovering, you're going from like a negative 40. Yeah. Up to like a negative 20. Yeah. You still haven't even reached like your normal body, what it needs, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're like in such a deficit. I like, I was like, I can't even like, there was that one day where I was like kind of writing and like doing stuff. That was a pipe dream. Cause I like the next day (laughs) I was like, Oh God, this is not, this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. But I was just like, I can't even read. Like I can't con- like I couldn't like play a video game or anything. I had to just sit there and watch Bridgerton, yeah. you know, couldn't engage my brain. Well, like when I get sneezy, congested, kind of sinusy sick, I can't do those things either because I have to spend half the time. Yeah. Sneeze like with a my hand on a tissue box. Yeah. You have to pause the game every five seconds to blow your nose because it's just dribbling straight out of your yeah. nose. It's always yeah, the worst too, enjoyable. where you have like your eyes are watering yes. all the time and you can't yes. even look at anything. That's, that's just so mm-hmm. criminal. Yeah. Anyways, that was our fun, disgusting week. Yep. <laughs> Getting sick. Yeah. Lemmy. What are we, what are we uh, talking about today, Melissa? I am very excited to talk about this one. Yeah. So we are talking about The Once in Future Witches by Alex, Alex K, right? Alex E. e. Haro. Alex E. Haro. Mm. I, so I suggested this book for this season and I'm very happy that I did because I kind of feel like this might be my favorite book from the season. Really? Yeah. 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 We still have a couple to talk about, of yeah. course. But I, I fucking love this book with just so much of my heart. Ugh, 
It was good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Before before we let me just start crying about how much I love these characters, let's just do our thing. <laughs> let's just the go crying will it. come. Yeah. The crying will come. I had a feeling you were you really would like this. This felt yeah. very like very much like a Melissa book. Like it, it did. It did. It was like yeah. It was just like fierce in all the right ways yes. and like um very uh tactile the way in which things were described everything was just Mm -hmm. very like you could feel it you could smell it you could hear it like just the writing was just very tactile in that way yeah yeah I really liked that um a lot of times magic can feel very ethereal but this felt very tangible yeah I liked I mean yeah like the magic system like the the magic lore I should say mm-hmm. was very interesting and I liked kind of the difference between like um like the daughters mm-hmm. where they I think um Miss Quinn t- described it as or someone did was uh like the sisters used herbs and rhymes and she says we use songs and spells like and yeah. she sings spells and like everyone kind of has like their different ways of doing it and I just love that well, what I liked is how kind of rooted in like the way that people practiced not just like witchcraft, but like folk traditions. Mm-hmm. A lot of this was very like based in European traditions and based in in like at the, at the near the very, very end. They're talking about where Bella and Miss Quinn are picking up the new spells and the new ways and the words, right? And she talks about the different traditions that they're picking it up from. So, like, you got the Creole, you have Choctaw, you've got, um, I think she mentioned Spanish. And throughout the book, all these stories that they're telling, because I love the way that she, that uh, Harrow, like, structures this, where you've got the actual kind of fairy tales interwoven yeah. with, with their story. Yeah. But, like, the story that Yulia tells that's an actual Slavic yes. myth of Koshi the Deathless. Yeah. And it's a much longer story in the original or in like the, the real one. But they're using these, she's using these actual stories and these actual like ways that exist in tradition. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. As the historian, like as a historian, I loved every second of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I liked too. I can't remember his name, but he, uh, Black Blackwell. Blackwell, was was it Blackwell that also told a story? There was a man that told a story. It was Gideon. Oh, I thought it was a good a good witch, <laughs> like a good man. I mean, maybe it was earlier on. I can't remember, but I just I just liked that it was like kind of that's kind of how people how everyone kind of brought their way forward yeah right? was like bringing their own story it was really cool maybe Gideon or maybe Blackwell did and I just don't remember I did like because I mean the the whole book is a lot of well like the quote that uh we're using on that post is magic is kind of for women it's where between what we have and what we need or what we want mm-hmm. in this universe as well. I mean, it's patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. And so 
men kind of have this power already. They don't need magic. And so the discovery as well that men can even use women's ways is huge because nobody even tries anymore because they don't think they need it. Yeah. But then you have people like August or Jenny who are masculine assigned male at birth or who are like men now and use the ways, even though they don't know if they can, because they've got the words and the will. I loved, was it, was it the, the crone or the one that was telling the story of the three witches? The first three. And I, I bookmarked it. It's, um, she, I love because Bella like interrupts her. Yes. Bella says, but how could a man work witchcraft? Oh, it was the maiden that okay. told the story. She says, you think magic cares what's between your legs or how you do your hair? <laughs> and then Bella. Yes. And it's like, Bella does not interrupt again. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and that's also the first time where one of the stories is interrupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I liked the, cause it kind of interplays the way that the maiden mother and crone one are these archetypes and the way that like they're living on and there's a line that juniper has somewhere where like this is an actual kind of um idiom but about how like you don't die until the last person alive knows you dies Mm -hmm. like you die your second death um and so the fact that like they've tied themselves to witchcraft And so as long as witchcraft exists, they are witchcraft. Like they will live on as these, they were people, but they are also now these archetypes that are going to continue on and keep fighting the fight. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. I love everything about this book. I know. (laughs) Clearly, clearly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's get into the book, the book book though. First, you're welcome to start. (laughs) Okay. So we have three sisters. Yes. We have Juniper, who we meet first, who feels Mm -hmm. kind of like the, I would say the central sister that moves the, begins to move the plot forward. We kind of start with her. Oh, she was abandoned by her sisters, all of that. And then I think you, I can't remember which one you meet next, Bella or Agnes, but Mm -hmm. it might've been Agnes, um, are the other two. And, um, we were talking about, I was like, I was like, I have my favorite and you're like, don't tell me. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I think we should guess each other's favorite. Yes. And then also you said to guess which one we, or to say which one we think we are. Or Yeah. I was thinking like who our like. favorite is and then who we like, who, who we think we're actually the most like, because it's probably not the same ones. Um, but I do want to say real quick, I do yeah. agree that Juniper is the lead. Yeah. Like she's kind of the main character one because she starts and finishes the book. Yeah. And because a lot of the action only happened because she took action and that's kind of like her role as the maiden of the three sisters. It feels like because of it's like, she's the first one to charge into the tower when they find the tower of Avalon. Yeah. The library. And she's the the one who joins this, the sisters. She's the one that leads yeah leads everyone and starts it yeah and insists on it yeah she's the active participant in the story the other two for for a long a long portion of the book are following her yeah yeah so yeah 
Okay. I think your favorite is Bella. Wrong. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Okay. Don't, I'm not, I mean, there's only three of us. There's only three, so we only get one guess, I feel like. Yeah. So, okay, guess mine. Juniper. No. Bella. No. <gasps> we both love Agnes? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is that is a podcast first. First, everyone. Podcast yes. first. Agnes. We, agree on <laughs> we like in the book. <laughs> That's great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what, what, so what did you like about Agnes? Um, stepping back a second and looking at all three, they all kind of cope with the trauma of the way that they grew up together differently. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like these three various ways that people could cope with that. You have Bella who closed up. Yeah. Like she's got a stutter for a, probably like the first half of the book. Um, really scared. She's really like, even as she's studying and she's trying to find the words in the library, she's like actively denying what she's doing even to herself mm-hmm. and I loved one of the 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 ways that Harrow writes her at first because she has her her parentheses where she hides her secrets as she's mm-hmm. thinking and as she's like telling her part of the story Juniper obviously chose to just be riotous against it yeah which I fully I I respected hardcore um but Agnes like hardens and I, mm-hmm. I could feel that, you know what I mean? Agnes talks about the, the circle, the small circle you have so that you can get by mm-hmm. and the way you have to open up that circle, that like fear of intimacy that she has, that fear of vulnerability with people, because on the one hand, it means people can hurt you, but on the other hand, it means that they can be used against you. And she kind of the journey that she goes through with the book where she learns to open up that circle and then she learns what it means to have that circle open. Yeah. That was beautiful arc, beautiful arc. Yeah. And also August Lee is like a fucking heartthrob. Oh my God. I can't even fully put into words. He, as they were getting ready to kind of, the day before they were about to to run into the fire, literally, and she's kind of like, well, do you trust me? And he, his, whatever he says, something, something along the lines of like, I will follow you wherever you go. And my heart just fell straight out of my butt. Just like, <laughs> it, it fluttered out of my body. Yeah. I, I also, okay. Fun fact about Melissa. I love old movies. I absolutely love old movies. And what I, one of my favorite dynamics in old movies is like what Agnes and Austin have, or August, Austin, August have, Mm -hmm. which is that kind of like, she's this wild woman and he's not looking to tame her and he's in love with her fire and everything. And I love that. I yeah. absolutely love their love story. Yeah. He never for a second judged her for Eve. Yeah. Okay. I, I like, there was a moment with, I mean, okay. Number one, I have a soft spot for the name Agnes. Okay. I started writing a story with that name because I really liked it. So I was already warmed up to her <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, but also I liked, there was, 
towards the beginning of her story, I like kind of the role in which she is in. I kind of relate with in that way. It's a role of service, right? She's always like, or she was, she was working at the cotton mill, but it was, there was, I can't remember, but it was, um, my memory fails me, (laughs) (laughs) but she was describing like working in the service of kids and like community and like, wasn't she in like some kind of work that was like helping kids? So yeah, stuff? she talked like about she how would when she first it or something when she first moved to New Salem, mm-hmm. she would see these little girls that were just kind of lost, and she would try to help them. Yeah. And then one day, I can't remember exactly what happened, but one of them like got hurt, and it hurt her. Right. Right. And so yeah. after that point, she made her circle smaller. Right. But there was this sense of um, this duty Mm -hmm. that she seemed to have with um, taking care of others, which I kind of understand. And then later when she, when you, you know, you kind of find out she's pregnant and she has the baby, there's this moment when she is like, this is what a mother is. Mm-hmm. And then she talks about, it's not, you know, it's not being this weepy, weak thing. It's, there's like this completely new strength and it's like yeah. fierce. And I just loved that you could feel that like shift happen with her when she realized yeah. what it meant to be a mother and how it's like, not, I just, I just loved that. I thought, I thought it was just so well-written and yeah, it made me understand it differently. And I was just like, Wow. Um, I just loved that for her. Yeah. And I remember thinking how unfortunate it was that her mother asked her to take care of Juniper because mm-hmm. yes, that's, I mean, the, that's what there, it was. Cause she was, yeah. she was the one that took care of everyone yeah. around. Yeah. So kind of part of it is like, was. yeah, well, but like part of it is that that's the role she was forced into as a mm-hmm. kid, which is like, she's not that much older than Juniper. Yeah. And so to have this like child, to ask this child to take care of another child is a big ask. Yeah. Um, but she also saw her mom die from childbirth. Mm-hmm. Saw mm-hmm. the way that like her mom had to like make herself smaller to protect the, the girls, to protect her and her sister. And then I remember at, at some point she talks about how Mama Mags told her that it was really common in their family for women to die during childbirth. And so she goes in with so many like preconceptions about what it means to be a mother. And so she thinks it's this like bloody, deadly kind of experience. Mm-hmm. But it's when I think it's when she earns her familiar that. Or I guess I like I would argue that it's her finding that that second well of strength that sudden new source of strength that earns her her familiar pan Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there was also the moment when she rejected the the fight yeah the fight yeah and when you know the that like visceral fear that she had because Mm -hmm. she just the yeah the pushing everyone out 
just taking care of her and her baby. Um, I feel like she had some of the most um, pain, I think. I think everyone had pain, but like hers, hers was like multiplied now with this baby. Yeah. Um, And this sense of obligation that she had to Juniper Mm -hmm. and the guilt of all of that. And then um, having just so much on her plate and are, is she ready to go through this entire risk? Yeah. Um, and that kind of decision was huge. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I just thought she had, she had the most, I think one of the most interesting arcs. Yeah. I think she's the only one in the book who's like actively experiencing pain though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas the others, whenever they have something happen, like granted Juniper was kidnapped, we knew, like, I mean, it was so early in the book that you know it's gonna fix itself. Yeah. And all of the hardship that Bella goes through is really just kind of rehashing old hardships. Yeah. Whereas- It's more memory, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like this kind of, Agnes has this very active current dilemma yeah and it affects all all three girls not just her yeah like you you feel that no matter which which of the the sisters you connect with you could feel how scared they all were for eve yeah yeah um i feel like juniper too her her anger was very much more like a part of her personality yeah and like and like moving and doing the thing like it informed mm-hmm. her like decisions and Bella is definitely more like let's just pretend everything's fine yeah <laughs> yeah because well, that's think... her a mechanism yeah no for sure for mm-hmm. sure Juniper even admits though later she's she's like I started this fight out of anger and vengeance and I'm gonna finish it with love in my heart for all of these women and men who have come to fight mm-hmm. with us um, I think the thing with Bella is that as much as she wants to keep the peace, she realizes pretty early on that sitting and doing nothing is not going to keep the peace. Yeah. Sitting and doing nothing is, I mean, what is mm-hmm. the woman's name? Uh, Grace Wiggins. She sits and keeps the peace. Mm-hmm. And she's a pretty ugly person granted she's had her shadow and her will taken by a shadow man yeah but yeah she is not doing the the end result isn't what bella wants if you just sit and do nothing yeah and i love how they all kind of bring it out of each other you know i feel like juniper and bella kind of work well together Mm-hmm. like when Agnes isn't there um but Agnes is like this like this stronghold of like reason <laughs> yes. <laughs> like because Bella's enough- the fear Bella's like the safety Juniper's like the let's like like the risk mm-hmm. and then Agnes is like the middle she's kind of like the backbone of it yeah yeah um okay so who do you think you're the most like I think I'm a healthy mix of Agnes and Juniper. I'm definitely the mom friend. And that's not like, I know it's just really fun to say that sometimes because 
like you provide a Kleenex once. But like genuinely, when it comes to like protecting my friends and taking care of them after a night out, like I'm the mom friend. I stay sober half the time so I can take care of the people that need to be taken care of. Um, But I do connect. I do like really connect with Juniper's fire. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's why she reminded me the most. Of you. I. And I I I thought you would like appreciate the action part. Yeah. Like and that fire and all of that. Um, I actually was thinking that you might have been a mixture between June and Bella because Bella is such a like researcher. Mm -hmm. I think I just don't. That's more of a hobby. Yeah, exactly. Like that's just what she does, but her as a person, I really don't connect with. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm probably Bella. (laughs) But that's why we, I'm sorry, Bella. Yeah. That's why we pair so well together. So, um, probably Bella and Agnes. I'm on the other other end. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say this. I was thinking when I was reading it is that what I love about these three women is that each of them are incredibly fierce and incredibly fragile in ways that are not predictable. You know, like Mm -hmm. you would, you could, it's not an archetype, right? Like the, like Agnes is the mother, but she's not like, you know, the, like, I guess what am I trying to say is that like, you would kind of assume like Bella would be the character that would be the mother, right? Because she's like softer and fragile, but I love that it's like flipped on its head a lot. Because it's not that's not that's not based out of reality. That's based off of like you know, just like a very it's like flat yeah. fairy tale exactly. Kind of figures, and I yeah. just love how complex they are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just w- what I noticed the most. I was just like so blo- I was blown away by these characters. Same, honestly, same. Like they're I love all three of them. Mm-hmm. Even in moments when they're unlikable, she makes them so human. Yeah. So real. So like multidimensional. Um, and I do like the way that she kind of plays with our idea of what the archetypes are. Mm-hmm. Especially because, so I was reading the author bit mm-hmm. in the back. Give me just a moment here. Where are you? Here we go. She is a former academic and adjunct. So she's learned. Yes. And it doesn't really say what she did. So I'm just going to safely assume that it was something literary related in some way or that she's done research, generally speaking. Um, But when you look at like the crone figure, crone figures include like Baba Yaga. You got the witches who like take Rapunzel up to the top of the tower or the one from the Hansel and Gretel story, which is, turns out to be like super important in their story. Yeah, I love that. I Same. But when you kind of look at the historical precedent of a crone figure, why would an old woman be alone or have lived her life alone? 
And like, there's obviously like the very easy, simple answers, which is, you know, sometimes husbands die. Sometimes any number of things could happen, but also sometimes old women are lesbians mm-hmm. and they live with other lesbians and they get written in history as old crones living together. Yeah. Old spinsters that friends that took up together. Yeah. And so I kind of love that the crone figure ends up being gay. Yeah. Um, and then there's a line that Juniper has early on where she talks about kind of, if I'm the maiden in our story, the maiden and like stories in, in like fairy tales and they're the words, the witch words are usually not corrupted, but they're usually turned wild. But Juniper already was. Yeah. Like she's a maiden yeah. only in the very, very literal basic term, which is she's probably never had sex. But otherwise, she's, I was going to say like as wild as they come, but she's wilder. She is nearly feral. Yeah. <laughs> she walks around with this cane that she can turn into a snake to kill men, <clears throat> kill people generally, but she's used it pretty exclusively on men. And so that when you, when you think about where she would be in the story, nobody turns her wild. Nobody corrupts this sweet maiden. She goes around corrupting people. Yeah. And I love that for her. Yeah. I think maybe I I can't really think of a way that Agnes is the mother figure turns anything upside down, but I do like the way that the people around her, generally speaking, the nice people around her, the good people around her that we're meant to like, don't judge her for having a child out of wedlock. Floyd, Floyd, her like the baby daddy. I absolutely hate when guys are like, I'm going to make you an honest woman. Like that's disgusting. Yeah. I hate that phrase so much, but like August never cared, not for a single second that she was pregnant and clearly didn't have a husband or a boyfriend. The second he realized that she wasn't attached to anybody, he was like, all right, she's mine. Yeah. That was it. He decided right there. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love the way that they were the archetypes, but they also were like a more real version of them. Yeah. And, um, well, isn't the maiden of the story too supposed to kind of be saved by the man? Yep. And I wouldn't say Agnes is saved by August, but she's the one that gets the guy right yeah or or whatever and and not that it it doesn't even mention it at all but i i think it goes without saying that like you know now eve has a dad whatever Mm -hmm. like i think in that day that's important so i feel like it kind of was tidy in an kind of its unconventional way in terms Mm -hmm. of like the maiden and the mother yeah agreed um well, she trusted August with yeah. with Eve without even a second thought. Yeah. She had him go save her from the, what is it? The lost stars or the lost souls or whatever it was. Lost hearts. Yeah. What a heartthrob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that scene. Love that scene at the end when they're like getting burned. Or they're about to. And he's like. There was some sound he made. <laughs> I can't remember. But it was like, she was like, they were like confessing their love and all of these things. And 
he made a sound and she it was just like so sweet i can't remember what it was because that's okay i don't remember things i hear but i felt it (laughs) yeah you felt it yeah vibes (laughs) yeah we all felt felt that and it was just like so you know breathed out a breath he thought he was holding or something like that (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i I feel it august i feel it (laughs) oh Okay. Yeah. What? I'm just thinking about August. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um, love I, the number of times that they were just sitting at that bar at like the oh yeah the socialist bar, sitting across from each other. I mean, that's probably another reason that I liked her, mm-hmm. because she's going into this place and she whatever she says about after she says the the big long title about like the kind of people that go there Mm -hmm. it implies that she really enjoys it and she'd probably spend more time there and i was like you sound like me yeah (laughs) yeah she feels like she belongs yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love the part where they go into the tower to meet the three witches yes and they describe each of the sisters i love Mm -hmm. that shit same um that was one of those really like sensual parts of the movie yeah the movie movie. (laughs) it felt like a movie well there was just so much detail Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like too much you know like sometimes people will bog you down with just over describing things it felt just right it felt perfect yeah it felt necessary yeah um i like so this is another reason why I liked Ag- I mean um when so Agnes is, is Agnes Amaranth is the strong sister steady as a stone and twice as hard she walks second into the tower she's never liked mother stories much they make her think of her own mother and wish she'd been someone else someone who would have sent their daddy running for the hills the first time he raised a hand against her someone like the mother herself Mothers are supposed to be weak, weepy creatures, women who give birth to their children and drift peacefully into death, but the mother is none of those things. She's the brave one, the ruthless one, the witch who traded the birthing chamber for the battlefield, the kitchen for the knife. She is bloody Boudicca and heartless Hera, the mother who became a monster. And I just love that. That's fucking all. That's just. mm, I just love that. Are you gonna I just, cry? I just love that. I'm just I'm feeling it in my chest. Like I just love that yeah. so much. No, that's how I felt when I when I read that part. Like mm-hmm. you could feel it. Mm-hmm. I think what I liked about meeting the the last three, you know, mm-hmm. the quote unquote last three, even though we know it's not the last three, is the fact that they are just normal they aren't real sisters they have that conversation Mm -hmm. about like well what brought us together in the square that day and they're like we don't know maybe just the fact that you three were there Mm -hmm. in any given time a woman is a maiden mother or a crone Mm -hmm. one woman could have called us yeah because i think it really breaks down the like rules of the magic there in this very realistic way in this very simple way because i think it has to be the very like the exact words and it has to be as all the will you can muster and you have to already have the ways in your blood 
mm-hmm. like that line when she's like they don't give a shit what's between your legs or how you do your hair because it really comes down to the fact that any of them could do magic at any point after yeah. that point is when they kind of just start using spells really loosely they're mm-hmm. like well it's for this so i mean in theory it could work for this and i've got the will to make it work so it's going to work yeah they stopped limiting themselves yeah it's not this exclusive thing it's this thing yeah. that's accessible to everyone which is yeah. very socialist yes it is <laughs> and it's not exclusive by sex but it's also not exclusive by like knowledge bloodline. yeah and yeah yeah bloodline yeah. or knowledge because mm-hmm. think about how important it was to bella that all these things got written down exactly as they are and then when uh we get to the kind of afterward kind of uh her and Miss Quinn are out and about. She describes spending the last few months trying to get the library back together. And there's just so many forms of magic that aren't even going to fit on a page. You can't put it down in ink. And so how do you, you just have mm-hmm. to hope that those forms of witchcraft live on. Yeah. It's that like that oral tradition. Yeah. Well, and kind of it. how like the different, like the different cultures brought came about it as well through their like through their like lore and their practices Mm -hmm. um like singing it or or cooking it like recipes and yeah all of these love it same like the same end goal but with different means Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. yeah even with the kind of sad ending which I mean, this well, I'm just gonna spoil it. We spoil things here. Yeah. Um, even though like Juniper died, and she's bound, so she will live on in this kind of in between form. Mm-hmm. It was a heartwarming book. It was this strangely hopeful book. Yeah. I think because of like that sense of sisterhood and the women's empowerment, without it being just women, because you have these men who are also actively fighting with them because they can see someone in need and they're like well that's what we do we help people in need yeah and i just love that yeah there there's this sense of on and honestly i think that's what juniper really brings to mm-hmm. the table which is like because without her this book would be sad <laughs> yeah even though yeah. she's the one that like dies she's the one she is the hope she is the one that sees yeah. the future of witches um and agnes finds like meaning right and like a need for that community you know and bell is able to like foster that within like her library and so i kind of i really like june's role june they call her june right yeah james juniper what is it james juniper eastwood eastwood that's what it is yeah and i think in some ways, Juniper had to die at the end mm-hmm. because so much of her hope comes from like her being the maiden in mm-hmm. their like triad. And at the very end, it's not that hope is gone, but she's no longer capable of being the maiden. Mm-hmm. And so you have this, I mean, very literal, but also kind of symbolic burning of that image for her. Mm-hmm. And she becomes just a, a witch. Like she becomes this ever living 
symbol of feral witchcraft to help the next generation of sisters and daughters. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like she couldn't have lived past that moment. They needed her, like Bella and Agnes needed her. Mm-hmm. The story could not have gone forward without them because they needed that youthful hopefulness, like you were saying. Yeah. But now they've been changed and they'll be able to live on doing the work that they need to do. Mm-hmm. But Juniper has to be frozen in that moment to do what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. So she's going to live on as this kind of image of herself as a 17-year-old mountain feral child. Yeah. <laughs> so that she can give hope to the next generations for however long they remember and however long they'll have her. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I can't really imagine what she would have done afterwards. Yeah. I mean, she probably would have had crusades and campaigns like they all are having. Mm-hmm. Um. I kind of like where everyone ended up, though. Like, no, yeah, same. Yeah, like Agnes yeah. is in Chicago with August, and they're like working on all of like the um, the laborers and stuff. And then direct action, yeah, like, direct, like on the fucking ground. So good. I know that's why. So I, good. That's why. That's why August is your. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you love August. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I love August too. I'm there, man. He was literally willing to follow her into the fire. He jumped into fire to save her sister without a second thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to just keep going on about him. So continue. <laughs> well, tell me about Bella and where she ended up. Yeah. So, and then Bella's in New Orleans, which is already kind of a melting pot of yeah. different cultures. And so then they're just like trying to like get it all down of like all of the different witches and stuff, witchcrafts. Mm-hmm. I love that for them. But there, she's writing a book, which I also love that she's trying to figure out a title for the book. And you're like, oh, oh no, she's going to say it. She's going to say it. it. She does not say it. But I'm like, I don't care because we all know. We all know. And that's what I love about it is like it goes unsaid, but like we know. And I think there's, oh my God, it's like another level. It's so meta of just like. If you were know, the witches, you were the witches. Yes, we're the witches reading her book now. Yes, yes, yes. we're the witches, and she doesn't need to like spell it out for us. Yeah, like we know, we, we know, know it's called because we have the words and we have the will. Will, yep. yep. <sighs> Don't you make me cry? I love books that do that. I cannot express to you how many times I almost cried during this book because of the number of times where they. Because they, they have that big conflict, which is the the day when their lives kind of fell apart. They got separated for good. And they all have this different idea of what happened that day. Mm-hmm. Either because they just made assumptions or they didn't speak up for themselves or they blocked it out of their memory. Yeah. Um, but at one point or another before we find out the truth about that moment about that day they all think about how betrayed they feel by the other and have this kind Mm -hmm. of fuck it she's my sister i'm gonna go help her yeah yeah and that the the way that they don't even afterwards they have these conflicts still and so the way that they just set these like the their love for each other 
still so deep and you can feel how deeply they still love each other regardless of this conflict and they just set it down and they go try to save their sisters one way or another so good. I, I also liked how rocky it was for them yeah like it was real they're they're all very independent like they're mm-hmm. they're not in need of they're not you know it became very very clear early on in the book that this wasn't this sweet sappy story of sisterhood mm-hmm. because they all have very complicated relationships with each other and their yeah. past yeah and their pain and like juniper is right off the bat you know like you know her sisters abandoned them but she's still looking for them but she's still not willing to accept mm-hmm. all of them yet right yeah there's still those like reservations. Um, Bella is hurt by Agnes's betrayal and Agnes is just dealing with her own shit. And then by the time it all kind of comes to a head, they've already started building this. So they're like building this thing within this conflict with each other. Yeah. And then their personal like quabbles like kind of surface and then they realize the truth and realize oh you know yes you're my sister and I love you but this still hurts and then you realize that how easy it mends because of learning the truth right Mm -hmm. um and so I love how that that locks into place like out of order yeah I like that a lot especially because it does kind of bring back that question of how much of it was fate Mm -hmm. because it's not like they were all just lying to themselves while still trying to set this up and hope somebody would apologize but like real problems were happening that kept causing them to run back into each other yeah like their paths kept intertwining um and i think that's why i really like I, i agree i really like where each of them end up because they don't end up all at the tower all the time. They don't just live there now. Bella lives in New Orleans with Miss Quinn. Mm-hmm. And she occasionally visits the, te- the, the library. Mm-hmm. And then Agnes and August live typically in Chicago, it sounds like. But occasionally visit Avalon. And so now it's not so much that they're running from each other while living in the same city right but that they're constantly running towards each other yeah back home to each other you know yeah yeah like the the threads those threads they they describe between each other Mm -hmm. they're they have to constantly go back to it yeah like they're able to have their separate families Mm -hmm. um but they're now closer than ever, even though yeah. they're farther from each other than they've ever been. Yeah. And even June being the youngest mm-hmm. and the one that was at home, I shouldn't say the longest, but the le- the latest mm-hmm. is the last to leave home. I forget the tower goes back to their house, right? They put the tower. That's what at it their sounds house. like. Yeah. yeah. And so she, she said she wanted it there because she wanted to be there. So it was, it was almost mm-hmm. like this, need to like for her to return home yeah um 
And also I, I love this, the statement where she says, Eve will come and visit me. And it's like, it's like having, it's like she's outnumbered. Yeah, yeah. She's like outnumbered. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Which, Which is, is from what I understand from Juniper is like <laughs> yeah. saying a lot. Yeah. From what I understand is typically how babies go. Yeah. Which is why I would say I'm probably more like Juniper than Agnes most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I think it was just a beautiful story mm-hmm. of these three sisters. Beautiful in a very um kind of carnal way, I guess. Like mm-hmm. this when you look at something terrifying and you can only think of how beautiful it is, you know? Like the sublime. Shut up. <laughs> I was trying not to say I that know. word. Do I have I, to like, I don't know, take a shot now? Um, please don't make me. I won't. But yeah, like this not beautiful in this like in a fairy tale way, but beautiful in, in this kind of heart wrenching way. Mm-hmm. It's very cathartic. It was. It was. It felt, which is, which is what I love about it because, like, there's nothing more. I don't know. I don't want to be like binary or anything, but like, there's nothing more like female than like, like a birth, you know, of something. Yeah. Just like feeling something out physically, right? And I, you know, and that can that can be said of anyone. I'm just saying like, I think it's very cathartic in that way. And I think it was meant to be because that is what, that is what a witch is. Yeah. Is you have to, the, that is the will, right? Which is the, the moving it out of you and out into the world. And I just love Mm -hmm. that. I think what's interesting is that a lot of times when you think about like a catharsis at the end of a book, you think about this very defined point of an ending, mm-hmm. like a story, you've got the natural progression of a story, which is like the um, exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, resolution, mm-hmm. stop. But this somehow manages to have a very cathartic ending with a very open ending. Yes. It reminds me of that book that I got that talks about how what the what you described this arc is a very mm-hmm. like masculine way of creating a story. Yeah. And this felt very just a lot of moving parts but just like it starts really low and it kind of wobbles. Mm -hmm. And then it, and then it kind of goes up and then it stays into this unknown. Right. I would say the story was definitely more character driven than plot driven. Yeah. Um, and then looking at the way they just like disjoint that, uh, that plot with the stories, like the little fairy tales, those, Mm -hmm. those women's words told down through the Mm -hmm. ages. Very feminist book yeah and i love that. it is i love that yeah i loved listening to it the i did about half and half good. the narrator was very good mm-hmm. very very good her voices were so distinct yeah you were she was able to do each of the yes. three diff- so differently and so perfectly yeah so good 
I liked too. So the first couple of fairy tales in the book I, I read, I didn't listen to them. So I didn't realize at first that it was the person telling the story. Mm. And then she, like I listened to the next one and she tells it from that person's voice. And then at first I was like, oh, that's cool. She kind of uses whoever's voice she was using last. But then Yulia tells a story. Mm. Yulia tells the story of Koshi the, Death- the Deathless. And that was the first time that I realized that these little snippets weren't Are just snippets. Story. They were yeah. They were part of this, yeah, this plot, part of this book. It wasn't just thrown in there for like shits and giggles. Yeah, and that that's kind of it kind of felt like each person was kind of telling their story, li- mm-hmm. just listening to it. Because I guess if you yeah. were to read it, you would never know if that was Yulia or not. But it was it was more of just an introduction into that like kind of Slavic. You wouldn't even know until the maiden or the mother mother maiden is telling the story of yeah the th- last three witches when it's uh when bella interrupts yeah exactly yeah yeah and so that's another exhibit a your honor of this being bella's notebook yeah because she talks about it being part grimoire which is the beginning of each of the chapters mm-hmm. part memoir part fairy mm-hmm. tales mm-hmm. okay opinions on gideon hill so he is Hansel. Yes. And Gretel was his sister, of course. The maiden. And so they must have gone into a house. <laughs> it's into what? Sorry. A house. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of liked that. I mean, obviously, I hate him. Obviously. Um, he's a very hateable character. Like Juniper says, he makes it very easy to hate him. Mm-hmm. But I like that his story isn't something crazy, complicated. It's a classic story of a man wanting control. Mm-hmm. He does it with Gretel because as he's burning her, he even asks the final time, I can still forgive you. Mm-hmm. As if she's the one that needs to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Because all he can see is this betrayal this like abandonment when in reality he's the one who was becoming evil Mm -hmm. and he talks about the price he's willing to pay but it's this plague that he starts just simply by existing because of the manner in which he's found his soul Mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of times men like this can feel so much bigger than they are when in reality, the same shit that fuels them fuels like the shitty men in your own life. And that's not to say that like the shitty men in your own life are just as terrible or like as maniacally evil, but that those big men that you fear, like on the news or on the internet where we see them nowadays but they're just as small actually as the other men in our lives Mm -hmm. this in like a nihilistic way this kind of they are just as meaningless at the end of the day Mm -hmm. they can be taken down just like anybody else yeah sometimes those things can feel too big you know too big to take on yeah yeah he felt very small in the end yeah yeah um there are a lot of parallels too with their dad like yeah 
it kind of goes unsaid, but I think it was definitely a conquering of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that Juniper would get his familiar. Mm. The wolf. But then she got her own bird, which is fair because oh, yeah. her sisters have birds. It'd be weird if she had a wolf. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, wolves are cool. Wolves <laughs> are cooler than birds, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Last thoughts? I liked the little tidbits of representation mm-hmm. in very outward ways where you've got Jenny, who's trans, mm-hmm. but then also kind of in smaller ways where you have Mr. Blackwell, who's older, and for no other reason than him being kind of quiet, is also alone. And so I like the herd portrayal of these varying lives that mm-hmm. one can live and still find community mm-hmm. so yeah yeah that was really nice that is my final thought your final thought okay, my final thought I feel like it had there was so much thought that went into this you know we <clears throat> we read a lot of YA which yeah. I'm not going to say doesn't have a lot of thought that goes into it, but there was so much, there was, it's so rich. Yeah. So full of lore, of like texture, of history, of um, representation and historical, but also modern feminism. Mm-hmm. Like there's even like a shout out. They were like, she wanted to name the book a vindication, vindication of, of the rights of witches. The witches. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, girl. Um, you know, so I, I just loved it. I, I, I have seen in my Google searches some, I saw a movie somewhere and I just thought, wouldn't that be cool? But I don't know if, you know how Google searches are like a, someone just like types it enough, but it's not real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I would love to see this on film. Oh yeah, same. Hold on, let me see. I've got to look it up now. So. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Can we also talk about the very last line of the book? Yes. Which is just once upon a time there were three witches. If we want to talk about kind of this open-ended Uh, ending again yes that i i am a sucker for books that do that it sometimes will just give me a little knot in my chest like this potential Mm -hmm. i love it well because you don't want books to end yeah like this this is this probably more than a lo- any other book I've read feels like it's continuing. Yeah. There is this like kind of at the end where I was like, oh, it's very, it felt very meta. It is because it does, it feels, you feel like you're a participant in this. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. you can see yourself in these characters. Yes. But you also are in on this like secret, mm-hmm. you know, you're in on the, on the will like yeah and I just think that that's it's timeless you know 
and it speaks to everyone it it makes you feel like you're part of it mm-hmm. yeah i couldn't find anything on a, on a movie damn i think it'd be a very good movie though so it was published in 2020 yeah so it's fairly new yeah but it's got i i just saw a lot of articles on it and so yeah same that's when i googled that really well it was just even like npr articles Mm -hmm. that's yeah big name yeah um yeah i just love the sense that we get to live this story Mm -hmm. as well yeah okay sorry i interrupted your final thoughts though no that was the that was it yeah okay okay yeah all right well good good read good read i'm gonna think about this for the rest of my life this yep. is probably a book that i will happily reread mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a big sign of approval coming from melissa yeah <laughs> okay so what are we talking about next week so next week we are talking about the book their eyes were watching god by Zora Neale Hurston. Also recommended by you, Melissa. Yes. And we are having a special guest. Yes. Next week, we are going to have Jess from the Peking podcast. So yes. we, one, you should definitely check out her podcast. It's Absolutely. really good. We will let her tell you about it next week, though. So I will not Yeah. break the ice on that one. Yeah. Um, we're really excited. Um, we've only ever had one other guest on here. And so we're excited to kind of expand, you know, it's and not somebody one of us lives with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, lo- yeah. we love you, Taylin. We do. Yeah. It feels very big though, to have somebody else on the that podcast. we don't know. Like I, yeah. li- I, literally cold turkey reached out to Jess and was like oh my gosh I love your podcast and yeah so it's really exciting to like grow up as a podcast and graduate on our big pants yeah and have like people on and something I think we want to do in the future like once a season is have like a new person on to like read a book and talk about it so Mm -hmm. very excited to talk about their eyes we're watching God though oh another beautiful book the Ugh. language in that is, is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love okay. it. Okay. I'm just getting excited about it. Okay. Yes. So, so <laughs> until next week, happy reading. Happy reading. Bye. Bye.